podcast one production. I'm Charles Fairley and for 30 years I've worked for big media companies like the Nine Network, Sony Music, AAP and Win Television. And I started Unsung Business Heroes because I wanted to give small business owners a voice, many of those small business owners that I met through my work, but also because my dad was a business owner. And so helping small business and marketing and getting to know the motivation behind business is part of my life. One thing that gave me the idea for this concept was that my dad had actually been interviewed in a book about 15 years ago and he was a boat builder as I mentioned up on the central coast and uh, you know he had 35 staff and uh, worked long hours you know he's there Saturdays and Sundays and um, I just realized that when he was coming to retirement where was all the record of of his achievements and his accomplishments and how could I tell my grandchildren about it when he was no longer around and so I really wanted to record all that information and create a little documentary about his life if you like so I, I think that really motivated me to go out and see other people in the similar situations. I think when I talk to people, one of the things that is a great benefit to me is that I get to see that they're all human. You'll see other people in the series that we're doing that come across at first impression of being great leaders and very gruff and very confident and like looking at a, a bull in the paddock. You know, their, their, their persona is massive, but when you get to sit down and talk to them like we're doing in this series, their human aspect comes out. And that's really what we're engaging with is what their story is, how they got there, you know, what they think about various issues, whether it's family or health or or running their business. But it's all a humanising process to sit down and talk with these people. So for me, it was really interesting to hear how they related in those situations. Corinne's story to me was fascinating because she started a business from her kitchen table like a lot of small business owners do. What drove her was she wanted flexibility because she had the kids at home. When you overlay that with the fact that she came from France where she'd worked with her mother in a hairdressing salon and she didn't have a great English language skills, for me that's just incredible that someone comes to a new country, sets up shop working from their kitchen table and makes a success of it like Corinne has. Admittedly it's been 20 years, it hasn't been an overnight success but she now has offices in five cities around the world. She's got 80 staff. Between them, they speak 30 languages or more because that's the service they provide is around helping foreign nationals arrive and and settle in Australia. So it's an incredible niche that she's honed in on and she's doing fantastically well at it. I'm so impressed with her. We recorded our interview with Corinne at her office in Glebe in Sydney and uh, even walking into that office, you get the sense that Corinne has a different way of thinking because it's a real interesting property It's not a business office, as you'd expect. There's plenty of outdoor dining tables, lots of trees, lots of decks, and plenty of communication among all the staff in the office there. And it's painted in some interesting colours with lots of decals and signage about motivation and perseverance and very positive messages. So you get that vibe as soon as you walk in the door there. I went into hairdressing because I wanted to be my own boss from an early age, but I didn't know it back then. Uh, I did all my exam and I worked with my mum for one and a half year. And uh, I even got the prize of the, fr- the French Cup of hairdressing. Wow. But I'm allergic to ammoniac, so I had to stop for, you know, well, health reasons. No, it's, it's, I mean, it was a shock back then yeah, because were you I. Devastated? That was your career. 
I think hairdressing was not my career. I think I was devastated because my plan to actually be independent mm-hmm. uh, from an early age was shattered. But then I went back to school while working to yeah. do um, human resources in Paris uh, because I didn't go back to my parents' place because I'd moved, moved on. So I didn't really have the fun of uh, studying, if you know what I mean, because you, I had to work and go back to school uh, after hours and yes. on the weekend, okay. I mean, to university. Yeah, so human resources was your career yeah. from then on? Which is, would seem weird, but it's very close to HR because it's about people. Of course. Because in a hairdressing salon, you would not know what people say to you. Yes. And you need to listen and you need to be, it's you know, um, you need to have, exactly. Yeah. It, it, relationship, but it's emotional intelligence. So that's where I learned it, I think. But I, I believe it's, it's, um, it's developed skills that I wouldn't have developed otherwise, yes. or not as quickly, yes. I would say. Okay, interesting. And then in your early 20s, you came to Australia. What brought you here? Love. Um, my husband, who was not my husband back then at that stage, um, did his national service for France and you had several ways of doing it. And one was to come overseas and work for 18 months for the French government uh, instead of going into the army. Right. It's not compulsory anymore, but it was back then. Right. So that's why, you know, I came here. No, it was not a dream. It was, I, you know, some young people would say, oh, I'll go to Australia, I'll do anything to go to Australia. This is not the case. This was not the case to me. I hardly knew where it was yeah. on the map. I knew roughly, mm-hmm. but I couldn't place Perth to Sydney to Melbourne. Of course. Uh, and I think that's why it worked, because I didn't have, a, you know, pretty picture or preconception. Okay. Uh, I just came and uh, we both loved the country sure. and got married here and decided to stay, which was not that easy 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, the economy was not what it is today. High unemployment, you know, late 80s. Yes. Did you start up a business? Yep. Started the business, but after I had my first child, yeah. that's why I started the business. So. Um, I think always in the back of my mind, I wanted to be my own boss, just, just really to be independent. It was practical. It yeah. was not to be a serial entrepreneur or anything like this. Yeah. Didn't have a big plan saying, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And this was not the case, but uh, had my daughter uh, when I was 25. Yeah. And um, just found out that it's pretty, it was pretty hard to find something like a job you like in your area yeah. When you were a mother back then? Sure, with flexibility you want. Even people to employ you while you were a mother, even though they wouldn't tell you, would make you feel extremely bad by you wanting to go back to work yes. after having a child. I think there's still true underlying prejudices there. It is. It's evolved dramatically, sure. uh, don't get me wrong. Sure. But uh, I had things like, uh, can't your husband provide? Yeah, really? why do you want to work? Can you, can, can't your husband provide? Which coming from where I was, was just completely unreal. Yes. So anyway, to get the story short, I, after my daughter was born, I decided that, okay, I'm not gonna lie about having a daughter, I want another one. I believe setting up you know, my own activity, which was not a company back then, but as a sole trader, working three days a week, while I can organize my time, it doesn't mean working less, it means flexibility. Sure. So I'm, I'll set up on my own. 
and that's what I did. Fantastic. The only thing I got wrong is that I never worked three days a week, you know. No, you intended to work three days a week. I intended to work three days. It didn't work out that way. <laughs> <laughs> not at all, but like, you know, it's a... Yeah, it's a passion for you. Yeah, you're not counting the hours somehow, thank God, because otherwise it would be scary. I was a sole trader, and then the second year of being a sole trader, because it was working pretty well, your accountant said, you better go and do a, a property limited because otherwise it's going to kill you with the tax. Yes. And back th when we did that, I had already four staff, yep. even though I was like a lawyer, like, a, like you know, an independent mm -hmm. contractor. Mm -hmm. So we went and did a, a property limited, and that's the way it started. It's only within, I would say, f the third, fourth year, when you really realize that it's growing, like tripling every year, then you say, okay, either I'll stay small, you know, like, a, like this, but then I might become a slave of my activity because if I'm not there or if I'm not doing it, it doesn't happen. Or um, I make a plan to grow it and then therefore share and, and develop even more. And that's what I decided to do. But I didn't make that decision when I set up the business, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it evolved. And you mentioned that you shared some profitability with your staff now, and you treat staff like family. And That's very important to me. Um, we do profit share from as long as I can remember. You know, obviously, I take the risk, but um, Polyglot is like a big family. I mean, we, we won the uh, end of uh, 2007 in the... Um, uh, employer of the Year um, yep. for the City of Sydney, which to yeah, me exactly. is the best. We, we won plenty yeah. of awards, you know, Recruiter of the Years and so and forth. Telstra, and the Telstra Business Woman Award, yeah. which is not nothing, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But it's, it, the, 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 this award, to me, is the ultimate award because that's why I'm doing it. Yeah. Uh, I believe people forgot why, in general, I mean, society at large forgot, forgot why we are setting a business in the first instance. Sure. We are setting a business so tomorrow is a better day and because you are doing it with people and they can build their life, they can build their family and, and that's my purpose. Okay, so bring the humanity back into the business? Completely, and yeah. that's exactly what I, you know, that's one of our motto. Yeah, yeah. Bringing humanity back in, into business. I think we're getting there, specifically with the millennium generation. Not everybody, the millenniums, yeah. The millenniums, yeah. Um, I think I was ahead of my time in that regard. You're dealing with people's lives very much in this business, aren't you? So yeah, because we, you know, Polyglot is actually helping companies crossing border, yes. whether it's Australian companies going overseas or foreign companies coming to Australia. Yeah, I think most of your business is foreign companies coming into Australia. Yeah, 95%. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we've set up companies, you know, um, we, we, we started going global four years ago. Sure. And I'm leaving tomorrow for uh, LA and, and Paris and, uh, and Barcelona, our headquarters in Europe. Yeah. So now we've got, so, yeah, and we've got South Africa as well, uh, because we're following our clients if you know what I mean. But because yes. we do, we, we serve foreign companies or companies in general crossing borders in everything which is human resources, 
we are dealing with people's life. Yeah. So whether you find a job to somebody, you change their life. Yes. Uh, when you move them from one country to the other, you change their life. Um, so, uh, and that's only the recruitment, but we do ex you know, outsourcing of payroll, and that's, yep. you know, who doesn't want to be paid on time? Of course, uh, very <laughs> so, uh, and it's not only my employees, it's, it's our clients' employees, whether it's LinkedIn or MasterCard or Uber or... Uh, These are some of your clients? Yeah. Uber. Wow, LinkedIn. Yeah. Wow, really at the digital forefront. Yeah, because the American companies that are going global are are in the digital and, and the high tech. Yes. Uh, American companies are not going, you know, often abroad because the market in the States is huge. Sure. You know, California is, uh, GDP is higher than the French one. Yes. So uh, if you've got California, and I'm not speaking about all the states, it's no, already a big piece. Massive. So um, the only companies that are going global, the new companies, are the, uh, the, the tech, high tech, right. IT, uh, renewable energy, the new business models, yes. companies that need to go global straight away. Yes, yeah, big staff numbers. That's why we're settled in California. Uh, our, our headquarters are in uh, LA and San Francisco. Uh, renewable energy, the new business models, yes. companies that need to go global straight away. Yes, yeah, big staff numbers. That's why we're settled in California. Uh, our, our headquarters are in uh, LA and San Francisco. And what about Australian companies going overseas? Have you got some success stories there? That yes, we do. We have uh, Jurlic. Uh, Jurlic is yep. a brand. Uh, that was at, yeah, Adelaide Farm and uh, Cosmetic. Um, they went to uh, Europe, so we helped them with friends and set them up completely wow. from A to Z. Uh, Macquarie, obviously, but Macquarie is, yeah. is a big one. Sure. All together, we've got roughly 80 people worldwide, direct polyglotter. I've got much more on books, but they are not uh, my direct employee. Yeah. Uh, no, or they are, um, you know, uh, employees of my client that uh, are my legal employees, but we, they are not directly working for me. Okay. Uh, but 80 direct polyglotters, what we call polyglotters. Yeah. Uh, and uh, all together, we, we speak just short of 40 languages, I think. 40. Actually, do you know what polyglot means? Multilingual. That's it. Yeah. Multicultural, multilingual. Yeah. So we, that's part of our DNA. We're not a language service provider as such, yeah. but we explain culture. And explaining culture is yeah. easier when you speak the language or when you are from a different culture. So we, we are really cross-cultural. So nothing is wrong or right in culture. And so what we do, whether it's in payroll, whether it's in HR, whether it's in recruitment, it's it's not judge one culture towards the other, but it's yeah. explaining the differences between two between different cultures, sure. which is usually what leads to perception or wrong perception from people and, uh, and therefore problems. That's why we think we make a difference, I'm to sure solve issues and problems yeah. by making our clients cultural, culturally aware. Sure. And you must see a lot of variations among countries in, for example, mm. Gender equality? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. How does Australia rank in that sense? Out of the Western country, um, I think Australia was behind when I first arrived. Mm. And I think now it's getting much better. And I would say it's in, it's in the top, yeah. really. I'm not 
really aware yet. I couldn't judge the states because it's um, we've been one year in the states, so I'm not. I wouldn't comment on that. Sure. But European and specifically French towards Australian, definitely Australia is ahead now because there's a really girl. There's a girl power in Australia. Yes. A yes. real girl power. In France, it's a little bit different because women have been on a piedestal for a long time. And uh, it looks like it's much more approachable and much more ahead, but it is not. Uh, because a woman that gets down her piedestal is not equal. Yeah. And um, I've got much more hope for Australia to advance quicker than for France. So what, what gets you up every morning? What excites you? Why, why do you have your passion when you say it's not your work? What's, what do you get out of it and why do you do it? It's the people. It's, yep. it's sharing. And it's really uh, giving back now. Okay. And yeah. when I say give back, it's, yeah. it's give back within Polyglot. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's seeing my staff evolve and, and flourish and, you know, blossom. Because I've had staff which for Australia is very long, sometimes 15 years out 15 of the 23 years. years in business. Wow. It is a family. Yeah. And so you've seen them as intern and now they are, they've got management roles yeah. and uh, they're in their 30s. And... Uh, mm. Looking at them, it's like having a big bunch of, not children, but you know, a big bunch of, a big family Offspring. that yeah. is just uh, blossoming and making them, you know, and they're happy. If you're happy at work, usually you're happier uh, at home and, and vice versa. Um, it's a state of mind being happy. Uh, it's being fulfilled. It's being able to evolve. Yes. Uh, it's being respected for who you are. Yes. Uh, irrelevant of your sex or your, you know, age. your gender or uh, your age or your color or your religion or your uh, sexual orientation. Sure. So diversity, I would say. Yes. Yes. Um, and it's, it's just being part of something and, and really having the feeling that you're, you're doing it for a purpose. And so that's why winning the prize of the best employer to me was the best award and it was really I was quite emotional actually there's a video where I cry uh -huh. and I wanted them to cut but they didn't and it actually doesn't look too bad uh, because it, it really meant okay I can bring that to other people and if I can they will to other people and then that's the little drop you know in the ocean that can become bigger and bigger so yeah. that's why it makes me wake up in the morning and want to contribute so what, what advice would you give to people starting out in business? What, what's, what's something? My, my what? personal advice is that there is no sense in, to me in doing a business only for money. Yeah. Uh, money is, uh, shouldn't be the aim. You know, you need money to actually fuel. And, uh, and I, don't get me wrong, I'm not, you know, uh, like everybody, you, are, you know, if you're happy, it's good. Money doesn't make you happy, but sure. it, it, it contributes somehow. Yeah. So, and it's back to what I was saying at the beginning. We should not lose why companies are set up to start with. Yes. Uh, we need to work, we need to contribute, we need to advance the society, but it's meant to be for society at large, yes. not for a group in the society. Yes. If Good. you were starting out today, what would you do differently? If, if I knew what I knew now, I wouldn't doubt myself as, as much as I did. So listening to my gut feeling, I've always done, but I would done even more. Well, so many people doubt themselves, don't they? Yeah, specifically women. So I would say to young women, 
it doesn't mean that I'm not looking at myself and making sure I, I I'm not saying I know everything and I've done everything, but I would I would go for it because there's not much to lose, and I would not doubt myself one minute. I've been lucky because I have a great partner, a great other half, my better half, sure. who's always been pushing me and who's always been, but in a positive way, yes. uh, supporting me and telling me that uh, I could do anything. And my mom did the same thing and my dad did the same thing. So I, you know, when you've got plenty of people around you from an early age who told you that nothing is impossible. But still with this, I had doubt as a woman. So I would say, go for it. Listen to your gut feeling there. Corinne's a great story. She's got such a successful business, but she's done it the opposite way to what you'd expect, just through, as she says, putting humanity back into business. Uh, but she's dealing with people's lives, so it makes sense that she has that real um, hands-on touch and that humane um, element to her business because she really wants to help people and her business has been successful because of that approach. If you like that story, you should really listen to our story with Aldo Grech, who's a real character he came to Australia in his 20s, got straight into the IT industry, but calls himself an inventor and now lectures people and mentors people in the area of leadership. But Aldo had an interesting situation with a cancer bout that you really want to hear about because there are some fantastic life lessons that Aldo learned himself. Unsung Business Heroes was presented by me, Charles Fairley, in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. The executive producer was Jenny Goggin. If you'd like to see the videos of my interviews with these unsung business heroes, go to unsungbusinessheroes.com.au. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au, download the Podcast One app, or search for Unsung Business Heroes on iTunes.